Wildfires continue to force evacuations in Western Canada. Quebec billionaire is accused of setting up an underage sex trafficking network. Statistics Canada is accused by a bank of undercounting the number of non-permanent residents in Canada. 18 people die as bus rolls over north of Baghdad and Israeli officials vow to expel African migrants from Israel. Good morning. It's Monday, September 4th. It's Labor Day. I'm Nora and I'm back. Here are your headlines. First this morning, we start where I probably left off. Wildfires continue to burn across parts of Canada. The regional district of Bulki Nachako in central British Columbia has placed people living at 72 properties on evacuation order this past weekend. For some residents, this is the second time this summer that they've been given evacuation orders, reports CBC News. In the province's north, just south of the border it shares with Yukon, another fire closed 70 kilometers of Highway 37 on Friday after fire jumped across the highway. There was no detour, so access was simply cut off until Saturday when they opened a single lane of traffic. There was another evacuation order issued on Saturday by Fort Nelson First Nation. They are located north of Fort Nelson near the border with the Northwest Territories. In northern British Columbia, winds are making the fires bigger and more worrisome, while in the rest of the province, where fires are still burning, officials have said that they've been started by people. Officials are reminding people to not have campfires and not be reckless with fire. But there was some good news for people in the Kamloops and Shuswap Lake areas. Some are being allowed to return home. But the Bush Creek East wildfire is still raging. Now to Quebec for a story about sexual abuse and an extremely wealthy man. Robert Miller has been accused of setting up, quote, a network for recruiting young girls for sex work, unquote, by someone who says she was victimized by the billionaire's scheme. In a lawsuit, she alleges that the sex ring was set up by a special advisor to Miller named Raymond Poulet. The ring was intended to be accessed by people who were not Miller, says the lawsuit. Maybe you don't know Robert Miller, but he's a billionaire who lives in Montreal. He's 80 years old and founded a company called Future Electronics in 1968. That company grew to be the world's third largest electronics distributor. Wikipedia also says that Miller is hoping to be cryogenically preserved rather than dying, I guess. The more you read this story, the more it sounds like Miller might be Canada's version of Jeffrey Epstein. So far, 29 women have come forward with allegations of sexual exploitation by Miller and his group, and all allege that they were underage when the exploitation happened. CBC has pulled this out of the lawsuit documents. Quote, certain young girls recruited by Poulet for Miller also met other wealthy and influential men who gravitated in Miller and with Poulet's circles. And also this, quote, A.B. then alleges that she was, quote, forced to have sexual relations with many mature men whose identities she did not know every week for several years, all orchestrated by Poulet, paid by Future, for the benefit of Miller, unquote. During this period, she described being drugged in a hotel and waking up sore in Poulet's flat in the La Cité complex in Montreal. 
AB experienced post-traumatic shock, and these events have deeply impacted her. She's the one behind the lawsuit. Miller denies the allegations. Montreal police had investigated Miller related to sexual exploitation of minors, something that Enquête and the Fifth Estate reported earlier this year. In the lawsuit, Montreal criminal lawyer Stéphane Anger is named as having, quote, prevented victims from telling investigators about their experiences within the network run by Miller, unquote, when police were investigating. In the end, police didn't lay any charges, and the investigation was closed in 2010. Next to national news, a new report from CIBC Capital Markets is suggesting that Statistics Canada is undercounting the number of non-permanent residents in Canada by as many as 1 million people. In response to the allegation, StatsCan will publish new data tables on non-permanent residents starting on September 27th. The agency says that they'll be, quote, using a revised methodology and going back to 2021, Unquote. The new tables will break down people by kind of visa that they hold, whether temporary foreign worker, visa, student worker, or other. StatsCan rejects the accusations made by CIBC. Benjamin Tell from CIBC argues that if the feds are not using the right number, if StatsCan isn't making the right estimates, then crises that involve non-permanent residents, notably housing, are even worse than politicians are admitting. The article by CBC's Peter Zimanich then pivots to linking the housing crisis in Canada to international students. Not speculation, not profiteering, not capitalism or private pensions, but international students. There are about 900,000 international students in Canada, which is the most ever and three times as many as who studied in Canada in 2013. The article suggests that the number of international students in Canada is what is exacerbating the housing crisis. Zimonich quotes Philip Landon from the Lobby Organization of University and College Administrators, who says that it's, quote, deeply concerning, unquote, that anyone would link international students to being the reason for the housing crisis. Landon, though, does not seem to mention at all the lobbying that his members have done to privatize funding and stop building campus housing, both things that are exacerbating the housing crisis for all students. With that aside, finished, the article pivots back to the main issue. Some of the reasons for the undercount, says CIBC, are of these. Visa extensions given because of the pandemic might not be counted, and the data relies on non-permanent residents filling out the census, something that many might not do. Plus, StatsCan assumes that temporary resident visa holders leave Canada within 30 days of their visas expiring, though that doesn't happen, especially if someone applies for permanent residency. But StatsCan rejects those allegations. They say their numbers are reliable. They are capturing people whose status is in transition and have counted most of the people who stay beyond those 30 days. So, data nerds, mark your calendars for September 27th to see who is more right. Next to international news, first to Iraq, where 18 people have died after their bus overturned 90 kilometers north of Baghdad. The bus passengers were pilgrims who were going to Karbala for the Shiite pilgrimage of Arba'in. Among the dead were 15 men and three women, 10 Iranians, two Iraqis. The rest were unknown. The bus driver and his son were also killed. On Saturday, Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammad Shia al-Sudani and Iranian Vice President Mohammad Mokbur laid a stone for a new railway project that will link the two countries by rail. CTV News says that the pilgrimage to Arba'in is the largest annual public gathering in the world. The pilgrimage to Arba'in marks the 40th day of mourning of the death of Prophet Muhammad's grandson Hussein in the Battle of Karbala. 
And finally, to Israel, where Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has ordered a plan for all African migrants to be removed from Israel. The order comes after bloody protests among Eritreans who are for and against Eritrea's current leadership. The protests happened in South Tel Aviv. Netanyahu said that anyone who is found to have participated in the protests will be immediately deported. That's estimated to be 1,000 supporters of the Eritrean government. Al Jazeera reports that Israel, quote, recognizes very few as asylum seekers, seeing them overwhelmingly instead as economic migrants, and says that it has no legal obligation to keep them, unquote. Israel has been largely seen as being coercive towards migrants to force them out of Israel. Here is Al Jazeera describing those coercive measures that have already been used against migrants. Quote, the country has tried a variety of tactics to force migrants out, including some to a remote prison, holding part of their wages until they agree to leave the country, or offering cash payments to those who agree to move to another country somewhere in Africa. Critics accuse the government of trying to coerce the migrants in to leaving, unquote. I know, I know it's so surprising that Israel would be so racist. Those are your headlines for Monday, September 4th. I'm Nora. I hope uh, I hope you're glad to hear that uh, I'm back. I missed you all. A uh, little bit of news related to Sandy and Nora. Something came up, an emergency came up that has made it impossible for us to record this week. So unfortunately, we will have to push it by another week. Major apologies on that, but at least you're getting a little bit of the podcast every morning. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to take time off. We really, really appreciate it. And Big announcement. I wouldn't normally announce it here, but because we can't record this week, here you go. Folks in Toronto, October 14th, it's a Saturday, four o'clock, we are doing a live show. So save your calendars and tickets will go on sale next week after the first episode of Sandy and Nora. So there's your warning, October 14th, Toronto, Sandy and Nora live show. It's going to be awesome. You're listening to this podcast at sandynor.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you tomorrow.